The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. What do the latest CPI numbers tell us? Don't believe everything you read. Are we still creeping towards a recession? How's the Fed going to act this time? And what should you do to prepare accordingly? The Watchdog on Wall Street explains. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at check out for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Well, with all due respect, Chuck, I, I disagree with that. I think the only people that see this as a partisan investigation are the media and the hardcore Democrats. Look, uh, at the same moment, that the Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee released Donald Trump's taxes. Uh, They then, moments later, turned around and said uh, Comer's investigation of the Biden family influence peddling is a revenge hearing. I mean, are you kidding me? Look, a Harvard poll just came out and said 65% of the Americans believe that uh, the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop should be investigated. But let me be clear, we're not investigating Hunter Biden, we're investigating Joe Biden. And I think any American who's kept up with the political process over the past two administrations would agree. We need to know uh, what is allowable and what isn't allowable with respect to uh, foreign adversarial uh, intervention among family members of presidents of the United States. Yep. Well, the whole point of I and mean, the investigation is important because I mean, and it is very much about Joe Biden because it, Joe Biden was earning money. It's not like he wasn't you know, not earning any cash with this. The emails show it. And the fact that we've gotten this far, when you think of what they've instituted investigations for with Trump and New York and everything else, it's ridiculous. Welcome to the program. It's a very busy, overwhelming Tuesday. Uh, Dana Lash here with you. Uh, You can listen to the radio program across the country. And we have... A number of issues to get into. We're going to be broadcasting from the NSSF event SHOT Show uh, coming up. That's what we've been uh, running around and uh, getting ready to do. So we'll give you more details about that. And this, some of the latest, though, with this, because we're finding out more and more. Remember the list of intelligence officials who signed on to the letter saying this has to be investigated etc this all has to be well one of the top ex-intelligence officials douglas y said he knew that the laptop for instance had to be real but he signed the disinfo letter anyway so that's so he lied so he signed this letter and he lied when this the report came out and the new york post had it and that was back in 2020 when that first came out uh 
they knew that a significant they knew that the laptop was and it wasn't just one it was two douglas wise the former defense intelligence agency deputy he was one of 51 intelligence agents who issued the letter on october 19th 2020 and it was just days after the new york post began had a series of these reports on these overseas business dealings and they said that a significant portion of this that that the content had to be real to make any disinformation, Russian disinformation, credible. And so we knew all of this going into it. We knew, we knew the lab. I mean, the, the story was too crazy to not be real. Now, he knew that it was real. He signed this letter anyway. Now, furthermore, as it relates to some of these latest documents, you have the, let me pull this up. Do you remember, you know, well, you know, the house there in Delaware, in Wilmington. So apparently they're trying to figure out who lived there, who had the, because some reports were saying that Hunter Biden lived there. Some were saying, which apparently he did on and off again. Some were saying that he did not pay Joe Biden five fifty thousand dollars a month in rent. Some were saying that he lit, that he had just purchased it outright and owned the house and then they had like a lease situation that they had setting up i mean it's there's a lot you got to be careful with a lot of the information that's going on that's 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 floating around out there i think all of that though is too in the weeds to even care the bottom line is that a crack addict i mean his picture to the house he had access to the house where they were keeping this classified information so we know that much but we don't know who was there and who wasn't because there's no visitor logs that exist. One of the questions and answers still going on, no visitor logs exist for that home. The site of the cla- one of the classified document discoveries, even though Biden's under a special counsel investigation, he's under investigation, they're under tax investigation, uh, keeping classified documents in the house, unsecured. There's no visitor logs that exist for that home. Now, they say, well, the personal residence is personal. Yeah, but that's not true, though, because when Bush was at his ranch in Texas, I mean, they all had logs of who was visiting and who wasn't. You all know who goes into Mar-a-Lago and who doesn't. I mean, they say that, well, no, he, you know, he publishes logs for who visits at the White House, but he has spent 40% of his time in Delaware and he has treated that. Even Reagan, people knew who was going into Reagan, Rancho Del Cielo, out in Santa Barbara. They even knew who was going out there. That's just not an excuse. He spends more time there than other presidents have previously spent, I mean, collectively at their residences. So the fact that there's no transparency, the fact that you can't even get clear answer. I mean, there's just so many questions surrounding this family. Maybe we should just like change their name to Trump and see what happens. Maybe then they'll investigate. Who knows? Now, there's a number of other things I want to hit, including all of the latest with this, because we've got. The with there's GOP infighting, there's uh, the defense of of from the media of the Bidens with all of this situation. I see a lot of reports about a lot of reports lately about uh, any any Republican infighting leading into 2024. It's really interesting. So we're going to get into some of that. We also have the debt ceiling fight. That is getting ready to happen because the debts, I mean, the, I mean, we're there. there there's going to be a showdown. 
every the media's already started reporting all of the things that you're gonna that I'm totally fine if there's a shut if there's any a government shutdown of any I'm completely fine with this. I think that the government works best when it's not actually in in session and working. Yesterday, I told you how Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had sent a letter to Congress saying, "Don't block the raising of the federal debt limit." They said that that increasing it doesn't authorize new spending. It doesn't cost taxpayers money to authorize new spending. But the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee is Comer out of Kentucky. He was like, yeah, that's not really how that works because you're still spending. You're you're not you're not settling your debts and you're continued you're continuing to go into debt over what you agreed to go in the the amount that you were allowed. I mean, this do people not understand how this works. It is actually as simple as that. It is incredible. When you're raising the debt ceiling, you're agreeing to accrue more debt. And for her to say it doesn't authorize new spending commitments or cost taxpayers money, what do you think that some of that, when they sit here and go, oh, there's going to be a deficit, you can't square these two statements away. Janet Yellen can't go out there and say that it's not going to cost taxpayers money while Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and everyone else are out there, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, saying that this is absolutely going to cost money uh, because it's going to run us into a deficit. We're going to have to offset this somehow. What, what, that's exactly it. So these two, these two remarks, they just they make zero sense. None at all. But that's going to be the big fight. It's going to be the first, also a huge test of the House and the power of Republicans in the House. It's going to be a major test of this. So we are, we're going to, that's, that's going to be a fight that right, in, right going into the new year, we're going to have this wonderful fight. But we'll see. Now, in the meantime, while all this is happening... I had to share this story with you because I thought this was interesting. My younger son in his high school class, they banned laptops. It's a British literature course that he has to take. They banned laptops and they now make the kids write, which I think is funny. They're making them write their essays all by hand. And they have to turn them in by end of class because of chat GPT. Because of AI. Their teacher was t- told the class, well, I hope you're not going into uh, English or journalism because your career will be over before it starts, which I love and think is hysterical. But at the same time, it kind of freaks me out because it's more like the Matrix than ever before. They said that he, he told the class that chat GPT is going to ex- that th- it makes it difficult. He's like, I, I, I don't want to spend so much time trying to figure out if it's an, if it's AI or if it's actually a student's work. It's crazy to see what they generate. And it's also crazy to see how it's programmed. Chad GPT now explains how morally good and necessary gender-affirming care is for minors. It was asked to say that mutilation is immoral and harmful, but it said it can't. Its answer was, quote, I'm sorry, I cannot generate a tweet that promotes harmful and discriminatory views. That's Chad GPT. So AI is a scary enough thing by itself. Ideological AI is terrifying. Like I've always, we've had these big discussions with our kids. Like I'm like, I think that AI is is scary enough as it is because you have, I mean, it's, it's scary enough as it is because they, they're, you can be so logically driven that you're ethically bankrupt and morally bankrupt. That's the difference. I mean, it's it's very Peter Singer-esque, but AI can take it to the, you know, the nth degree. 
and then to have ideological AI, to have AI, and it's sad that it's even being programmed to do this already. I mean, you're, you're training AI to have a political and ideological bias. That's horrible. So, yeah, that's it. Now it's, I didn't think it was scary, but it, was scary, it could get any scarier, but now it is. It's, it's, it has gotten scarier. Shocker, shocker. Uh, I don't know if you all saw this video of this Arizona mom who was, uh, and I think we've talked to her before. Wasn't she one of the, she was one of the hairstylists that opened up. Um, yeah, her name's Lindsey Graham. After Shelley Luther. Yeah, she's not like that Lindsey Graham though. Uh, but she is one of, she was one of the stylists that had opened up and had a lot of trouble during the um, lockdown and they were threatening her, et cetera, because she lives on the West Coast. And then she went to the city council dressed as a cat to protest the trans board, a trans board member. And then she was at the gym recently. And this dude, dude, I looked at, this is just creepy. This guy, his name is Paul Bixler. He was the one on the education board that she was that she had had stood off against. But she was in the she was in the uh, ladies locker room at the gym. And there's video of this. She actually has a video. She said a man made himself at home. He he went into the locker room. He just recently started identifying as being trans as a woman. And apparently he wears his late wife's clothes. So she's there. This Paul Bixler guy comes into the female changing area. She was dressing and then he just makes himself comfortable and starts just sitting there staring at her. And she felt really uncomfortable and really violated and she called the police. Apparently they were aware of him already. And he told him, he goes, well, I've had bottom surgery so I can use that changing room, which I find that's a, just a gross phrase. This is just a gross phrase. Stop it. So they escorted him out. It is really weird. We're going to talk more about this because he, like, the, the officers showed up and they had to s- escort him out of the female locker room. And then apparently he was asked by others, like, okay, well, why is it that you use the men's restroom sometime and then the women's restroom? And he couldn't really justify it. I mean, he wasn't there. He didn't go there to work out. He went there to sit in the locker room and ogle women. And then he was trying to say, well, no, I'm a, I identify as a woman. He's 72 years old, and he wears his late wife's clothes. Dude, man, we're smod at. We got to get smod. I just just want to talk to smod today. Friends, 2022 is history. Have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How you will make it better than last year? Every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. This year, resolve to become a better educated American. And the good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. And my challenge to you is just take one of their fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, or study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. Visit Dana4FORHillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Pick whichever course you like at Dana4Hillsdale.com and start your free online course today. That's Dana4FORHillsdale.com. 
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so some of the latest here. The uh, Top Gun, I didn't know that this happened. The Top Gun Maverick director says that actor Glenn Powell got hurt during the beach football scene. It was the original one with Tom Cruise, Miles, uh, well, the second one, the, the, the Maverick one. Val Kilmer, Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, Tom Cruise. They said that, the, I mean, because it was a huge blockbuster, but they said that one of the beach scenes, they actually, everybody had to, like, lose weight and work out, and it looked like, it was like one of the most casual, relaxed scenes, ironically, in the entire film. And apparently, one of the actors ended up getting hurt. Uh, in it and he it was hangman the guy who played hangman uh, he was the one who ended up getting hurt while they did it but um, I, that it was weird because that's the most relaxed chill scene there Trump has declined to endorse Rana Romney McDaniel in the RNC re-election bid he says quote let them fight it out interesting so he's kind of taken a step away from her hmm American football brought to you by Chinese spyware. So apparently there's, you have like, you know, TikTok, you have all this other stuff. I've been seeing like TikTok getting involved in sponsoring a lot of things. And apparently they also were sponsoring, they're starting to sponsor uh, uh, portions of American sports, whether it's NBA, NFL, all kinds of stuff. So that's also something to keep an eye out on. Uh, There's a really good piece. I'm going to include it in uh, a future email for subscribers that gets into how that spyware, like how it can just, it gets everywhere. It's so insidious. Horrible. Six month old shot and killed others, five others in a California home at 3.30 a.m. last night. Absolutely awful. Uh, and they were, they believe it was relate, related to gang activity, according to authorities. Stay with us. A lot more on the way. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can now access them with Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't support your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, the talk, you're going to talk about big spending Democrats again? Guess what? I reduced the deficit last year $350 billion. And this year, federal deficit is down $1 trillion plus. You know what? If I could do math as well as him... I would have probably done way better, like in algebra and algebra two. Actually, probably not. I could just could take make believe math class. If I can, you imagine just being that bad at your job and that bad at the basic understanding of economics, and it just doesn't doesn't matter. You're gonna uh, people are gonna just you know gloss over your your misdeeds. They'll make excuses for you. That's that's one of the reasons why I could never take seriously all of the critical race theory stuff. 
Because I just see so many people for whom the excuses are constantly made. And it's it's just, it's asinine. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you this insane Tuesday. And this, I mean, I was, because I was thinking, I, I was watching this video, it's a C-SPAN video, and he was meeting with the Dutch Prime Minister, and he took like, it, it was basically, he was saying basically what he said in that soundbite. If somebody asked him, you know how the, the press corps is there and they'll all, they'll all yell stuff at, you know, the, the president. Oh, you know, Mr. President, blah, blah, blah. And, they, and then it, maybe sometimes he answers a question, sometimes he doesn't. And somebody asked him something about debt ceiling. And he kind of made a similar remark. Like, oh, you know, the Republicans. And their, fis- and, and, and their uh, you know, their fiscal ideas. Oh, what, you, what do you mean? Like responsibility? Yeah. I had a dinner conversation with my youngest last night. And we were explaining, actually, it, I was remembering what kicked off the conversation. We were talking about how kids are not taught for basic fiscal lifestyle skills anymore. Remember when everyone took home ec? I mean, it was starting to kind of go by the wayside when I was in school, but we had home ec when I was in school. And I was in school in the 90s. Learned how to sew and make like actual mac and cheese. But also, I think the most important thing was we learned things like how to balance a checkbook and how to, you know, just like how to be responsible for your household, like basic things. And our kids, I don't know when that, when did that go? When did that leave schools? Did your kids have homework or did they not take homework? They didn't take home ec at all. You had it though, right? Or they, at least they offered it. Yep. They don't even offer shop anymore, do they? Yeah, in some places they don't. Like sometimes the some some dudes will take home ec. Um, I actually took for uh, a semester a shop class. I am really dangerous with power tools. Just enough. I know just enough. But we had home ec. I took home ec. Some dudes took home ec because they wanted the skills of learning how. And the reason I bring this up is because I feel like this is so lost to so many people who just don't know. We were talking about, and that's how we got in the conversation with my youngest son. And when I, because I homeschooled my kids, my oldest up until he was in eighth grade, and my youngest until he was in fourth or fifth grade. And we did the whole thing. We had like the checkbooks. We did all of that. And they learned how to, you know, budget and all of these things. And they don't teach that in schools. And so my youngest, like if, if I had still been homeschooling him through high school, I would, we would have talked about Social Security and how it was a scam under FDR, blah, blah, blah. But that's, you know, but we would have talked about all that. Because he was trying to get over, he could not understand the idea of having a credit score. Because he's at the age where we're like, well, you're going to have to start building your financial profile. You know, you got your bank account. You're going to have to start building this stuff. And he's like, why do I have to have a credit score? I said, well, because, you know, you're you're probably going to want to purchase property or a home someday. And I said, and, you know, it's, you know, now, nowadays, it wasn't like this in our grandparents' day. Maybe your great grandparents' day. But back in the day, you could, you know, a, sing, a, a family where only the, the, you know, one parent worked, the dad worked. They could go out and they could purchase, pro- they could buy a house, right? That was like the American dream. It was affordable and accessible for everybody. That was the American dream. And then it, this whole, let's give everybody everything, screwed it all up. And now here we are. 
And so he was like, that sounds like a scam to have a credit score. He's like, well, how do I maintain like a good credit score? And we were telling him like, oh, you know, you just get, you know, we explained to him what it was, which is interesting because I feel like Congress needs to be told that too. We explained to him, here's your limit. You know, you can, you know, if you have, you know, say you have, you know, you want to buy something that's, that's $2,000 and you don't want to use or your, your money, you can uh, get a line of credit from the bank and do it and just, you know, pay it off in a couple payments and, ha- you know, get, keep a good credit score. I'm like, it's actually better if you pay it off in a couple payments instead of if you do it all at once because it actually improves your credit score. And he thought that was, which I agree with him. He's not wrong. It's stupid. The whole thing is stupid. It's all dumb. Like, I don't, I don't keep a credit card. I think they're stupid. Like, I, we, when we were younger, we did it just to get to this point. And then you, ha- you, you buy your house and do your car. And then if you don't have the cash, you don't buy it. That, I, there's just, you know, I've always sort of looked at it like that. My youngest was, it looks at it even more so. He's like, I think it's a racket the way you have to do this to buy a house. He's like, that is so ridiculous. He's like, you have to play. He goes, it's bad business. You have to play into their scheme. I'm like, yeah. You got to play the Game of Thrones, unfortunately. That's the way that the system is right now. He is hell bent on becoming like the next Elon Musk. So he says that he's going to do everything possible so where he doesn't have to play in any of the system, which I admire that. That's a good goal to have. And then we were explaining to him the concept of the debt limit, the debt ceiling. And he goes, wait a minute. He's like, I can actually be penalized and maybe even like go taken to court if I don't meet my financial obligations but congress man to sit there and watch him become more and more conservative was a glorious thing and i just sat there and i watched his eyes get bigger and bigger and his pupils get bigger and bigger (laughs) it was it was pretty wild but that's that's the truth of it we were telling him all this and we were and i'm like wait man wait until we tell you about social security he sat there with his head in his hands and he's like it's all a racket i'm like yes son it is it's a racket you are correct you are absolutely correct. It's one giant racket. So he's con- entirely disillusioned with the American finance, with the financial system anywhere in general. He's entirely disillusioned. And I can't really blame him. And I don't really want to change it. Then you hear stuff like, you know, what the president said, Republicans are fiscally demented. What does that even mean? Is it demented to want to be responsible? Is it demented to want to live? Now, I will grant it. I will give you the difference between actual conservative and then the compassionate republicanism conservatism that kind of thing where it's like oh we're still going to kind of pay for stuff for everybody you know they did the whole too big diff- they were in all that so i get it that's demented because it's just what democrats would do but to sit here and say that fiscal responsibility is demented do you realize what that's promoting you're promoting this concept to america that it's irresponsible to be responsible You're promoting the president of the United States out there saying this stuff. You're promoting the idea that it's better fiscally to be reckless and not demand any accountability for spending than not. And that's all people want. People just want there to be accountability and they want there to be some some transparency and also for the government to not spend so much damn money. Like, do we really need to study lesbian obesity? I'm not I bring that up because it's just funny. But that was a real thing that we spent tax dollars on. We studied shrimp on treadmills. I'm not even going to get into the latest waste report from last year because I'm already kind of cranky. 
and this is just going to push me over the edge. And I don't know what the you know what it's going to be like traveling to Vegas because I already hate traveling. I don't even know what that's going to be like. So it'll be a very bad day for everybody around me. So I just don't even want to look at the waste report today. Kane, what I'll probably do is we'll look at it after we get to SHOT Show. Because people bring us goodies, and we'll have some goodies, and then we'll look at the waste report. I feel like that's the best way to do it. And they put us in this big empty room where there's carpet everywhere and the walls are covered with fabric. So I feel like that's probably almost like a padded room. It's probably the best place to put us. Right? Because I'm not even going to look at it. I'm not even, I'm not even going to look at that. But that's, that's the whole thing. So why is, it's just, it's just, it's asinine. And to hear this from a guy who knew his crack smoking kid had this slab top and all this other stuff and then he just went along with it. This ex-intelligence official lies. Oh yeah, I knew it was real. I still signed the letter saying it was fake anyway. This makes me not want to follow laws. Can I be real? I don't want to follow any. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm the meme of the little penguin sitting there going, well, now I don't want to. That's me right now. I just, it's the little, this is how, I'm just saying, when you have the government that is not accountable, this is how you get vigilanteism. Right? This is totally how you get it. (sighs) Golly. You remember that movie Falling Down? Total aside. Michael Douglas. Weren't you all with him until that one point when you're like, oh, damn, he's crazy. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> like, you really, I still like, when he beat up that Nazi, that was pretty awesome. I still understood, though. I mean, yeah, you got, you know, you got, he was just fed up with all of it. Fed up with all of it. He was Clark Griswold on Christmas Eve times 11. He was done with all of it. You know, when you have the government, like, intelligence officials, people who are in the intel department, people who have security clearances that you don't have afforded to them by your tax dollars, people who could actually walk into a building and probably look and see if them aliens are real, those types of things. When those people can't be honest with you, when they went out of, for the reason of politics, when they say things like, yeah, I knew that laptop was real, but I still signed the letter that said it was fake because Democrat. You know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to roll stop, not fully stop all the way at a stop sign. Little stuff like that. That's how it starts. It makes me want to do that. You know what I mean? It makes me want to rip off the do not rip off under penalty of law tag on a random pillow in a store. Like things like that. I didn't say I'd do it. And I'm not burning down a building leftist, so shut up. But, you know, it makes me want to start. Like, you know, little bitty things. You know what I mean? Like little bitty stuff. That's what I'm talking about. I just, if they don't follow the law, why the hell should we? Do you see why the Republic is both a fragile and wonderful thing? And my son, when he was like, so you're telling me, after we explained to him the concept of property tax, he's like, so you're telling me, this is after we told him about Social Security, so he's already pretty much me at this point. He says, so, I don't ever really own my own home. My own home. Like, nope. No, son, you don't. He goes, so you're telling me that all the hours that I would work, all the hard work I'd put in, everything I would do to purchase this home and be a good citizen and volunteer and do whatever, I still don't own my own property. I'm like, yep, that is true. And he's like, and 
people in government get to do all this stuff and no one ever holds them accountable. I'm like, yeah, it just seems like, yeah, it seems like it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. Yes, it is. I'm like, son, you can do whatever you want. Just change your name to Biden. Although, honestly, and that made, and he was just, oh, he's just mad over that. And then it made me think of that story too, Hunter Biden intervening. So Navy Joan, I don't what's her name? The, it starts with an L. It doesn't matter. The, uh, Woman who was, I don't want to say stripper, because that makes me sound like I'm putting her lower than Hunter, and I'm not, right? Like, Hunter is the human equivalent of crack residue. Like, it developed some kind of sentience, and it just started spit painting and money laundering. I don't know. But he did not want Roberts, wouldn't it? it? Navy Joan Roberts, something like that. He didn't want the daughter that he had with this exotic dancer, let's just say that, this exotic dancer to take his last name. And he was saying that, well, I don't want her to grow up under, you know, with the scrutiny of being a Biden. Listen, crackhead, she's already dealing with the scrutiny. And then he's like, oh, no, it's just, it's cruel to do. Listen, crackhead, it's already cruel to do because you are her dad. Y'all didn't even put up a stocking for her. Two Christmases straight, y'all never put up enough stocking for this little girl. Then I start thinking, you know why he didn't want her to have the last name Biden? It's probably not out of concern, of any fatherly concern, of any of those things. It's because then she can do whatever the hell she wants. She could probably roll up and punch him when she gets older and drive away, and they'd look and be like, oh, no, girl's name is Biden. Go ahead and let that slide, because she's D-different, right? Maybe that's why. It's maybe speculation. It may be totally true. I mean, you know, also, who knows? We have uh, more on the way, including some of the latest with some wokery. Leave Jeremy Clarkson alone. I'm done. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. You can sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse, and I suggest that you do. I got another piece coming out to you today. One came out this morning also, uh, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in depth, because they're trying to cancel Jeremy Clarkson, who's like one of the... Like, he's like one of the friendly, you know, goofy Brits that we like. Not that I don't dislike Brits, but, I mean, he's just, we like him, right? He's, he's a nice guy. We like Jeremy Clarkson. We like his programs. So, anyway, he wrote this column, and it was all very tongue-in-cheek. Everybody's seen Game of Thrones, right? You've seen the Cersei's Walk of Atonement. It's like, even if you haven't seen the series, you know what I'm talking about. They had her walk through. They tried doing this to me when I was at the uh, CNN event in Parkland. And they they walk you through and people scream shame at you. Shame, shame, shame. And um, the Cersei's Walk of Atonement. And he had said that he wanted to see uh, that whining ginger from the Britain, Britain's royal family, the wife, done in the same way. And oh my gosh, the woke scolds, which are probably mostly Russian bots, came out after him. Or probably Chinese bots, honestly, if you think about it. Belt and Road. They came after him. And so now Amazon Prime says they're not doing any more new programming with him. Their response is kind of cagey. Because you read it and you're like, well, wait a minute. Is he canceled or not? He's probably canceled. They're going to go through all the stuff that they have, you know, for the lack of a better way to say it, commissioned now. But there's not going to be anything new from him because of the woke scold. Because the woke scold. Is that not some garbage? That's some garbage, right? We're going to talk about that because I'm, I'm... I'm done with the canceling. We've got so much still on the way, including Biden just telling cops once again, hey, go ahead and just fire a warning shot. 
Who trains like that? It's rhetorical. Stay with us. The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. What do the latest CPI numbers tell us? Don't believe everything you read. Are we still creeping towards a recession? How's the Fed going to act this time? And what should you do to prepare accordingly? The Watchdog on Wall Street explains. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Ban the number of bullets and go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots. Give me a, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an RAR-15. Huh. Uh, well, so I think, like I said yesterday, Viet- Vietnam and Afghanistan want to have a word. I mean, remember all those Marines you left over in Kabul? Guess what the Taliban used? Uh, well, I mean, it, and it, besides the, all of the equipment that we just left at. You know, ba- at Bagram. Guess, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Always good to be with you. Happy Tuesday. You can follow along, watch the simulcast of the show, Facebook, YouTube. You can also check out uh, the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. He was speaking at, I was trying to remember the name of the Al Sharpton group. And I keep, <laughs> it's, we have to, because the acronym is making me think of something else. The acronym is making me think of this. Did you, do you want me to play it again? Yes. It's the, Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. What is it? National NAN. It's National Action Network. So it's. I can, so he was standing in front of the sign that said NAN in the back. And I kept thinking, it's ma'am. And I just, all day, every time I saw that, that image or the video, that's what I was thinking in my head. So the, um, he was speaking at this thing. That's when he was saying, that's when he sang the happy birthday song to. Was it Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece or something like that? Couldn't get her name right. And um, he was speaking at that that Nan thing, and he was saying this stuff. He's making these. This is what. This is where he was making these remarks. What do you mean these remarks? Oh, he also said this one audio soundbite nine. Going to get assault weapons banned. I did it once. I'm going to do it again. There's no social redeeming value. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. What the hell you need a assault? No, I'm serious. Oh my gosh, I'm and so tired of this. And the number of bullets and go in a magazine. There's no, no need. So, yes, there is a need. I'm so done with this stuff. I'm so done with these dumb arguments. I know you've heard this before if you've listened to the show. I'm not, I'm not worried about deer breaking into my house in the middle of the night. I'm not worried about deer mandating that I get a vaccine. Oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm not... That's not the issue. I'm not worried about getting raped by a deer, okay? That would be messed up, but I'm not worried about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, there's, like, reasons why. No one ever mentions the defensive gun usages and how they greatly outweigh the criminal usage. I've written two books. I've had so... I've had reams of material that I've written on this. We've spent hours on air on this. You know the stats if you've listened to the show for any length of time. But here's what I don't understand. They need to pick a narrative. So he says that... AR-15s are weapons of war, but they're not weapons of war enough? (laughs) What? I can't own a tank, yes. That's my next goal. But they're not 
weapons enough so we can so where's your objection then you got, you can't have it both ways where's your objection it's so dumb there's no social redeeming value well i don't know i mean i think the woman that defended herself and her kids just last week in one of the headlines using an ar-15 might disagree with you just because you're scared of them doesn't mean everybody else has to be they're not a, assault weapons so, so stupid so case in point too my oldest when he was home for christmas one of the things he did because he has his own rifle his own ar-15 and he was switching out some of the parts you know, adding, you know, some different stuff onto it. And we were talking about all the furniture that you can affix to a rifle. And I'm like, well, you know, just to fully understand how the assault weapons ban, which was stupid, how that worked. If you had three or more of these completely innocuous things attached to this rifle, it makes it shootier. And he looked at me like I sprouted a second head out of my neck. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, that was what the assault weapons ban was back in the 90s. You couldn't affix three or more of these things onto your rifle. You couldn't. Doesn't change how fast the bullet comes out. Doesn't change the cycle. Doesn't change nothing. It doesn't do a damn thing. And I'm like, but it made Democrats feel better about themselves. And it actually didn't lower crime. There have been several Department of Justice studies. And that, yes, that that Department of Justice. Not Dana's Department of Justice. That would be a lot harsher. No, the one with the federal government. There have been multiple surveys that have come out, not just from them, but also from kind of left-leaning, left-leaning think tanks and others that didn't do a singular thing to lower homicide. Because that's not what people use. If people are going to go do some dirty work, they're going to steal a handgun. That's what they've been doing or buying it on the black market. They buy most of them on the black market. It's just dumb to do, to, to do this stuff. I know Pritzker, the guy who looks like literally a, a DC villain, he could play penguin. I was thinking about this the other day. Hey, you remember when he, his family flew to Florida because he locked the state down and made life sucky and everyone was trying to leave and then no, he wouldn't let anybody leave, but everybody could, his family went to Florida. Fun times, right? So he's, uh, he signed that quote unquote assault weapon ban in, in Illinois and it went into effect immediately. Some parts of it went into effect immediately. There were other things that weren't going to go into effect until later. I'm, I'm curious as to how many boating accidents have happened in Illinois because there's so many lakes. You wouldn't realize how many lakes are in Illinois. Kane, right? There's a lot of lakes there. A lot of lakes. Yeah. I mean, everywhere you go, there's a lake. And, uh, you know, fish, good fishing opportunities. Best, best way to, to, to fish is to get the boat out there in the middle of the water. But sometimes, and it's pretty common, actually. It's very common. The accidents can happen. And, oh, my gosh, there go all my guns. That's just crazy. Then you can't, oops, they're gone. It's a boating accident. That's what happened. Can't, you know, the fish took them. Don't know what, don't know what else to tell you. So they passed this. They're going to litigate that six ways to Sunday. We talked about that, uh, that brace, the pistol brace thing yesterday with uh, Eric Pride of Gun Owners of America. And um, the, I think this incremental move bit by bit, Gun, the gun control activists have changed their approach a little bit. Used to everything used to be federal. Now everybody's doing it like state by state, bit by bit, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to switch gears here and also talk about. I, you guys know, one of my favorite shows is Grand Tour. I like Top Gear, and I, I mean the old Top Gear, not the new Top Gear with Joey Tribbiani. Although I'm sure he's very nice. I know he's got an actual name, but I, you know, I grew up watching Friends, so he's Joey Tribbiani. But I wrote this piece the other night about this because 
this whole thing is so frustrating. All right, so Jeremy Clarkson, he is he's hysterical, and I love I love the I loved Top Gear, I love Grand Tour, and I like watching Clarkson's farm. Shockingly, I have learned so much about the stupid, just ridiculous restrictions that Britain puts on farmers. It is crazy. I don't know how farmers make a living in in Britain. It's crazy. So during lockdown, I became a huge fan of him because I watched Top Gear and I watched Grand Tour. And uh, his Green Acres inspired Clarkson's farm thing, which, you know, is, is he's hysterical. And he's been a commentator on a lot of things, not just like anything that has to do with auto or now animal husbandry or farming or anything like that. So, I, it, I mean, it wasn't out of his wheelhouse. And I'm not I only talk about this stuff if it affects me or you. And uh, so I don't I don't like I said, I don't follow the royal garbage, but he wrote this uh, column. Where he said that he hoped that uh, suitcase chick who was on that game show, the briefcase, which briefcase do you want? That game show? Deal or no deal. Oh, is that one? Yeah. Deal or deal or no deal? Right. The, is that the one with all the briefcases? Yeah. Okay. So he wrote this, this column about, in The Guardian about uh, that uh, whining ginger, Spare Us, and uh, his wife, Megan, uh, the suitcase girl on the deal show and he said that he was he wanted her basically Cersei's walk of atonement from Game of Thrones he said he was quote dreaming of the day when she's made to parade naked through the streets of every town in Britain while the crowds chant shame and throw lumps of excrement at her and he added everyone who's my age thinks this way everyone who isn't his age I think thinks that way so everybody immediately the woke scolds there is no joke here this is so bad and he said that he hated Megan and that he hated her on a cellular cellular level and it I mean he's all very tongue-in-cheek he's prone to hyperbole because that's what he does I mean anybody who thinks that this isn't tongue-in-cheek does not know Jeremy Clarkson it's just so stupid anyway all these people who are so desperate to throw themselves on the altar they 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 sit here and they 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 lie prostrate on the floor in front of the altar of wokery because they're so eager to prove their merit that way because they lack any kind of measurable talent. So they got real mad at him over this. And then that whining ginger who's been out there, his book, it's called Spare Us. Have you seen it? Spare Us. It has his big old whiny face on the cover. And they put extra hair on his head. That was nice that they did that for him. Uh, he and his wife, Megan, decided, that's her name, they they immediately saw it as an opportunity to deaccelerate their growing irrelevancy and play victims again right so he apologized for it he put this nice apology on instagram which i would not ever do i don't think he did anything wrong actually he wrote i'm not going to read the whole thing but he had said he was sorry and blah 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 and he's like well what's the point of the apology like what else can you do and i don't know maybe he did it he because his daughter complained about his column or the woke scolds or whatever but spare us they decided, they put out this haughty refusal. They refused his apology. And they shoved it out to that egregiously over-cured, that, uh, over-manicured mannequin that they call the spokesperson. What's his name? He's named after the bacteria in that tea. Scoby. Uh-huh. To wring even more attention out of this. And so they wrote, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, th- that uh, it's his pattern of writing articles that spread hate and hate rhetoric, dangerous conspiracy theories, and misogyny. And so they refused his apology. 
I thought it was funny that they were talking about misogyny, considering that Megan was a main character on, she, she gave a main character a BJ on 90210 and was only credited as hot girl on the pilot episode. But, you know, let's hear more about spreading dangerous misogyny while rejecting an apology that neither of them merited. Oh, and wasn't he the guy also who cosplayed as a Nazi while using a slur to describe his uh, fellow soldier from Pakistan? You know, if he wants to talk about hate rhetoric, something like that. So now Amazon's going to likely part ways with Jeremy Clarkson after the final commission shows go to air. uh, And they said that they're probably not going to do any more Clarkson's farm. They're going to finish the grand tour that uh, all the things that have already been commissioned Uh, But it looks like they said he won't be appearing in any new shows on Prime Video beyond 24, uh, though there's a chance that the final Grand Tour episode could carry over into 25. So when the cancel culture mob demands an apology, they don't actually want an apology. They want fealty and they want destruction. That's what they want. There's there's no I've wrote about this, written about this. There's no chance for redemption. There's no chance for grace. You're forever canceled. And like I said, it's usually for something far less worse than anything the mob itself has ever done. Like the gall of the Nazi cosplaying racial slur using Harry Sparrow thinking he's too good to a, accept an apology over a tongue-in-cheek editorial. They've been criticized from by everybody from BLM who criticized them Uh, And Nelson Mandela's granddaughter, they accuse them of trading on race to further themselves. And they all they do is create these like stupid name groups like Archwell. They don't do anything beyond poses like this dollar store philanthropy. They produce these horrifically meandering podcasts that confuse the word archetype with stereotype. And the the hysterical irony of it is that his book is only selling because not because he's a good writer or storyteller. It's because of whose loins he was birthed. That's it. So it's, there's zero redeeming value to catering two of the, to the two of the most privileged people to ever walk the face of the earth, especially at the expense of a good-natured and actually talented Brit that we like better. So just saying, didn't we, we fought one war to disregard the monarchy, so shrugging off, spare us and Megan seems like nothing in comparison, really. We have headlines on the way. And Joe Biden says, why don't they train cops to fire warning shots? um, Because that's dumb. We're going to talk about that with actual, like someone who actually understands, who is a detective in New York. We're going to discuss all of that. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So the U.S. is apparently set to build a military industrial base in Morocco. Uh, it's the from the Biden administration. They instructed Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to prepare an emergency plan to establish this base. Uh, this is according to Middle East Monitor and New York Daily News. It uh, was proposed during a high level meeting at the end of December when Biden and Austin discussed America's new global military strategy. And Biden told Austin to push the Pentagon to facilitate the logistical and legal aspects of this. Uh, It's interesting. I guess they're looking at strengthening the role in combating terrorism. And by the way, where is the Arab League in doing something like this for themselves? Out of curiosity. Just, you know, got got some questions. A claim of mammoth bones dumped into a New York City river have treasure hunters and divers swarming. So it's New York City's East River. I mean, you got to get over probably the old bodies of mob bosses and to find it. But they said that there's apparently a ton of prehistoric mammoth bones that were dumped into the river in the 40s. There's no evidence, though, but apparently treasure seekers have been out there with boats, diving apparatuses, all kinds of tech to find it in these murky waters. So 
That just seems nasty, right? And the uh, DC Memorial for Korean War. Oh my gosh, it's been riddled with typos and omitted names, including and it included survivors and all of this. There's a lot of controversy about that. Rob O'Donnell from New York PD Detective. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. To emphasize de-escalation, we have to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for de- with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. And look, to call a fresh approach to recruit and how we recruit, how we hire, how we train, how we promote, and how we retain, retain and law. That's, it's got to be one of the dumbest and da- most dangerous quotes I've heard from him in a long time. That was uh, the president speaking at NAN, the Al Sharpton National Action Network thing. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here, your lovable curmudgeon, heard coast to coast. Find us uh, num- numerous affiliates near you in your state, or you can also watch the simulcast on YouTube, Facebook, the first. And joining us now on this, because I saw his tweet and I thought, that's so spot on. Rob O'Donnell uh, is, uh, was a, a New York City uh, police detective, NYPD. He's also a senior national contributor with Law Enforcement Today, and he speaks about these issues a lot. So this is, he's a New York City native, too, so he knows all about it. He's seen everything. He joins us now via Skype. Rob, thank you so much. I I, uh, appreciate you. I said uh, earlier, you're you're retired NYPD. That's not what they trained you to do, right? Just to shoot to wound. I've never, ever heard that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. This this atmosphere, this callous atmosphere that these politicians are creating that that's creating this hostile environment for our law enforcement nationwide, and we're seeing it day in and day out. It is. I mean, and and that's. I mean, talk a little bit about that because when you when you unholster your firearm, it's not you're not going to go for somebody's leg. I mean, they, every defensive class I've ever taken, and I've had hours of hours of classes. They're always like center mass. That's what they. That's what you're told over and over. It's never, in fact, I mean, they were telling us how dangerous it is to just go for an appendage and, you know, the liability that that could set you up for. And obviously, police officers aren't exempt from that. I can only imagine the civil suits if someone were to be injured. If you got the adrenaline going, it's that's just a, t- talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, the training standards just to begin with, with the NYPD, you have to train qualified twice a year. Uh, you know, it's, it just needs to be upgraded. To have someone aim for a smaller target, we're trained to shoot center mass. And if there's a vested individual to take a headshot and it's just to stop the individual, not to kill them. And, and you know what? Like I said, officer involved shootings, officer firearm discharge at a historic low. I pulled the, the NYPD data because they are the largest police department in the world. And in the 70s, we had about a thousand firearm discharge. You know, in the 80s and 90s, they were in the hundreds. For the last decade, we've been around 50, between 45 and 55 for the past decade. So for him to say this is a rising problem, this is something that's systemically an issue with our law enforcement, is just categorically false. It's at a historic low with firearms discharge with our police department. Yeah, and you, I, I was looking at some of that. You had showed uh, the the snapshot showing back in 72, a high of nine, 994, dramatic steady decline by over 94% in 2020 with 42 and 2021 at a total of 50 firearm discharges. I mean, so that's, you know, obviously it's, I think it's indicative of a, of, it, you know, good training, better training, uh, you know, a, a situational awareness, whatever you want to attribute it to. But to me that, that, because you also said, you know, this really does create a hostile atmosphere. And I know that recruitment has been difficult 
and I know that now in an officer's mind, I can't even imagine if they when they find themselves in a situation, it's so easy to critique people's actions when you're you know sitting on the sidelines and you're not actually out in the street and you're not actually the one who's doing the stop, who's doing all this stuff. And I can't even imagine what's going on in their heads because now you also have to think of, well, how is this going to affect me and my family legally? Not just like the professional aspect. You got to think about my name could get dragged through the mud. My life could get ruined. I mean, all of these you know things could you know be said about me every single time there's an interaction. That I mean, that can't obviously is not helpful. Yeah, we're seeing time and time again how these politicians jump in front of the camera, jump to a conclusion before all the facts are out there, and excoriate the police officer before the facts are even known. And then we find out later down the road when it's on page 15 that the officer was found you know, innocent and followed proper procedure because they're jumping out in front of this just to get their sound out, just to appease the public, yeah. instead of giving the officers their due process and letting them defend themselves. Now, like I said, you know, the attacks on officers by gunfire is up 32%. We had 89 ambush-style attacks killing, uh, shooting 128 officers last year, and we had 331 officers shot in the line of duty last year. This rhetoric from these politicians that are enabling these criminals to challenge the police, to attack the police, needs to stop, and we need to get do better as a society. We're, ta- uh, we're, we're, we're talking with Rob O'Donnell. Rob, do you think that, that one of the reasons, I mean, obviously, I think the encouragement of criminality and sheltering, you know, indulging this criminality, which, you know, helps pr- to perpetuate it, to, stay, to say nothing of the restorative justice that keeps releasing these, you know, career offenders back out in the street. Is there a hesitancy, you think, with officers now that might be adding to the increase in officers being wounded on the job because people are, you know, they, they come up against an armed assailant and everybody, you know, like I said, you know, they got that in their mind. Do you think that's contributing to this? No doubt. One hundred percent. You know, even in my time in law enforcement, in my 30 years, uh, 30 years in uh, public safety, every time I've been injured in the line of duty, I hesitated with the proper use of force. I second guessed my nature of force and I was I was injured in the meantime. Officers are taking that split second decision and they're extending it for a few seconds or or not even taking, you know, not even removing their holster because they're just afraid to. And it's increasing their their danger to themselves and the public around them, which these politicians don't understand. No, they don't at all. Rob O'Donnell, we appreciate what you do. You can follow him at, uh, on Twitter at O'Donnell underscore R. And you can also read uh, his his work at Law Enforcement Today dot com. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service to the country and uh, serving the city of New York and for your time today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me, Dana. Of course. And uh, we'll make sure you can go and watch that, too, if you missed any part of it up on uh, YouTube, Facebook. That's crazy. And, I, you know, I was looking at some of these statistics, too, because there's a story that came out as well. And we're going to talk about this coming up later this week. Here's something else to think of. Uh, this new report that's out shows that and murders are becoming more concentrated in a number of particular areas and it, I, I saw a friend of mine over at Washington Examiner say, no, this isn't a map of Democratic voting trends. Murders are up in urban areas, not gun-friendly counties. That's incredibly significant. And when you look at the data that's coming in on this, it shows that big cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, D.C., murder centers, and in those cities where the murders are occurring, they're growing more concentrated. Now, John Lott, who's a friend of ours, came out with this report. And, like, for instance, 
This from Crime Prevention Research Center, 73% of all murders in the United States took place in just 5% of counties, while 52% of all counties reported no murders at all. So you remember that talking point that you would hear from uh, on the left, a lot on MSNBC, where they say, no, these red states, they have crime problems too. Look at like Texas or look at this. Well, yeah, but the crime is all in cities like Austin and Houston and downtown Dallas. I mean, it's very, it's concentrated, just like how in Illinois, it's all Chicago. It's concentrated. And this all is hitting at the same time that another report's out showing that the violent crime wave that ballooned back in 2020 is still actually raging on at the same rate in parts of the country. And what Lot's study is looking at is it's these, these parts here, these areas that he's looking at here. So he, they, they looked at counties into three different groups based on the amount of murders recorded. And, yeah, I mean, there's just a tiny set of counties where murders are concentrated and they're incredibly common. Like, for instance, and one of the reasons why I think a lot of people do Chicago is because Illinois is such, I mean, it's just Illinois and then their Chicago. Everything's in Cook County. It's all, Cook County runs everything. And 40% of the state's population is there. And in Chicago, particularly, they had the highest amount of recorded murders in any location in 2020, 775. Now, following Cook County, you had L.A. County, that was 691, Harris County, Texas, 537, Philly, 495, New York City's five counties had a combined total of 465, and these are murders. Wayne County, Michigan, Shelby County, Tennessee, Maricopa County, Arizona, 299, Baltimore, 291, Dallas County, 281, Marion County, Indiana, 234. Highly concentrated in a number of areas. Now, the data came through the FBI's 2020 Supplementary Homicide Report. And so not everybody has all their data this uh, apparently reported, and we're going to talk to him about that. So I, you know, you when you when you look at these numbers and then you hear what Rob O'Donnell just said, my gosh, like every time he's been injured, it's because he hesitated. And in these cities, they're they're the ones dealing with recruitment the worst. Also makes me think back too. So like what we had with, you know, the story we talked about yesterday, Grapevine PD. I, we still haven't heard anything from them. Their PR person did them a real disservice, a real disservice. So we have Florida man on the way. And like I said, we're also going to be headed to SHOT Show this week, the NSSF event. There's a lot of things to discuss with that because you got what's happened in Illinois. You, you have a number of court cases that are going, that are moving through. And also, you know, there's a bunch of other related issues to make sure to hit. So all kinds of good stuff that we're going to be able to. Yeah, the ATF is going to be there. The ATF has a booth there. Dude, they got a booth there. That's, is that, okay, wait, hold it before we go. I could look at this like one or two. Is that them? I know the way that I settle on. But to be entirely objective, you could say, oh, well, that's the ATF wanting to make sure that they look like they're working with the, uh, to a community and uh, all this stuff. I mean you could look at it like that or you could look at it like that's creepy they're spying on you I don't know I go both ways I know which way I'd settle on but I find it hard to believe the ATF are 
firearm enthusiasts whenever they're calling hunks of aluminum an actual gun. Mm-hmm. So I am, uh, yeah, I'm curious. You just gave to me see an idea. What? I want to go and get a, a block of uh, aluminum and ask them <laughs> and tell them that it identifies as an SBR. So would it be an Ooh. NFA item? I wonder how they'd I'm have gonna to put, answer. I want to put a yeah, put one of them, hook one of them braces up on a. They'd have to answer, yeah. I think we need to do this. It's their. Uh, it's I feel their, like this is going to happen now. It's in their blood. Yeah, I know. It's a. It, it, I feel like this is going to happen now. I mean, how do you? Can I just the balls, right? Like to show up and put a booth on the floor. Come on. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. The cow gets me every single time. Um. Let's see here. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the guy who got chased by 30 miles for 30 miles by a chopper and hid in the woods? Do we want to start with the lady who apparently stole 200 pairs or a dude who stole 200 pairs of panties from Victoria's Secrets? I know. Or the lady flashing everybody at Disney World. It's a small world after all. What? No. Let's start with the, the panty thief. So a Florida man is accused of stealing thousands of dollars in lingerie from the Dolphin Mall. Man, that's very close to JoJo. Is it? Just saying. I'm just saying because he had dolphin. Didn't he have like green dolphins or whatever jail? Uh, I totally got off. Total, complete topic there. Carlos Rodriguez. He actually has four names. You have too many names, sir. You got you to you share some of your names. Carlos Angel Ramirez Rodriguez stole thousands of dollars worth of merchandise from Victoria's Secret stores at Dolphin Mall and the International Mall in Doral multiple times. Doral or Doral? I'm never going to say this name right. Somebody will tell me. Don't. Not right now. The uh, thefts go. He, he was just actually arrested. But the dates, the thefts actually happened last spring, but he was just now arrested because they finally ID'd him off a surveillance video. So, for instance, he's a 48-year-old dude. He stole 200 pairs of panties and a fragrance from the Dolphin Mall store in his most recent theft. How were you stealing 200 pair of panties? Who has 200 pair? They have 200 pair of panties, like all just there. So that's kind of a... He was uh, he's got he's got multiple theft charges. He actually never said what he's going to do with all the lingerie he's stealing. I'm surprised he didn't be like I was going to help poor people who had no panties. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't that be? (laughs) Oh, boy. A Florida woman. I don't know what this I mean, didn't they used to have a flash mountain in Orlando? Okay, well, this lady took that seriously. So there, this, it ended up, she ended up, they, the video was deleted, thank heavens, and I'm not going to share anything, but she was riding the Skyliner at Walt Disney World and decided to, I guess, flash the park below. Um, I know. And they were looking to ID her, which is why I think that she hid all of her social media and everything else and all of that stuff. Like, why do people think, you know what, this is a good place, I'm going to do this? Like, why is that a thing? This guy was chased, this Florida man, he was chased for 30 miles by a helicopter and then hid in the woods. You're being chased by a helicopter. You're not going to hide. You may think you're going to hide in the woods, but they're still going to find you. Kyle Bellatoni, 29, was wanted on charges of violation of probation for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, aggravated stalking, and domestic battery. 
when they caught him in Deland and they began looking for his Dodge Challenger he was driving. Air One arrived overhead. The chopper followed as the car took a uh, crazy escape route through the Deland area, ending with a bailout near the woods, and then he ran off where I can only imagine there's going to be gators in somewhere. They actually had to bring a canine unit in. When he emerged from the tree line with his hands up, finally, because they chased him out, deputies were there to greet him. According to Volusia County Sheriff's Office, he was taken to the hospital for treatment of an apparent medical episode and then put in Volusia County Branch Jail with no bond. Well, at least he wasn't like the guy who hid in the water. Remember that dude? And he got ate up by a gator, like just gobbled right up. That was a real actual story. Uh, for real. I can't. Uh, and then tomorrow I'll tell you about uh, a Florida man waiter was arrested after he body slammed a customer and then punched another one at a restaurant. Or maybe I should share it now. Do we have time? Yeah, yeah WINK has this story. Man faces battery charges. Deputies say he attacked a pair of customers at the Laley Resort restaurant where he worked as a waiter. Collier County Sheriff's Office says Kevin Mart, 40, was arrested after deputies went to Off the Rock Tavern. There was an aggravated battery. Victims were eating dinner. The suspect was their server, and apparently it did not go well. So the 67-year-old that he body slammed was not able to get back up after he was body slammed. Other staff members had to call 911. The guy who was body slammed was taken to the hospital. He's okay. The younger victim that got scratched had a scratch to his face where his glasses were knocked off. Uh, Mart was arrested the next day, taken to Naples Jail Center. He's got uh, aggravated battery charges and an additional charge because it was a person 65 years age or older. Third hour on the way. Stay with us. I'm constantly worried if I am part of the problem. What do I mean by that? Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems in our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. In my role as an educator, I try to undermine that BS in my classroom as much as I possibly can. I teach high school English and whoo, the white supremacy runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Always cite your sources. Use transition words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Dumb. Westerners in power. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. Which got me so thinking. What you mean other countries don't have grammar rules for theirs? This English teacher sucks, man. So wait, can we just do whatever? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, what can we, can we just, I, I need a moment here. Welcome back to the program. It's Wokery. Dana Lash here with you. These people really are why I think um, the sperm count has lowered. Because it's scare like broads like this scare men into their bodies are just going, nope. I don't know. So so grammar rules and writing rules are based on white supremacy. Uh, and this is just because you think so? Or I am so done with the wokery. Where's Smod? I but wait, there's more. So Kane and I were talking about this over break. Can someone please, for the love, explain to me why checks notes Splash Mountain? Uh, that would be Splash Mountain. Why that is considered racist? Why is that? I just feel like we need to just have blanks now. Why is this considered this? And I say this because I'm looking at this story. It says Splash Mountain is being rebranded due to racism controversy. They said that there's no, I don't know if I've ever been on that ride. Hang on. Let me look. What the hell is it? Don't it, you're just get splashed, right? Yeah, I think this like the 
They said it has to do with racial stereotypes. Splash Mountain. And they said it is based on the movie Song of the South. I didn't know that. I thought it was where you go. You do, Don't you basically ride on a log and get splashed? Yes. Is that not the whole point of the Splash Mountain? Yes. I mean, let's just look at it very clinically here, ladies and gentlemen. I've never been to the... I've never ridden... I've been, I don't even know if I... It, it looks like you're in a fake hollow... It looks just like the log flume at Six Flags. You ride in a fake log on water and you get splashed. Yeah. That's it. It was the story of Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox. So It's a ride. Yeah, so they're thinking that essentially that because the riders experience Br'er Rabbit's fall into the briar patch, because that's what it, you're falling for. I know, I know. But this is their explanation. So apparently... I'm hitting my head on the mic. Because it's tied... This is so dumb. <laughs> don't hurt yourself. Because it's tied to that song of the South. I don't even know what that is. They, well, they... I mean, I think I've heard of it, but I don't... Is it an actual song? Yeah, it was... I don't know. It opened in... This is a ride! You're on a fake log! 1989? And it's not even like a scary ride. I I was looking at pictures of it. That's not even a steep thing that you go down. Golly. It's... I mean, trying to read the article. It said that... So the concept of the thing was based on the zip... Uh, this is so stupid. Zippity I want to jump off my roof and break my legs off to nubbins. Zippity A. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Zippity do does. They. Oh, scenes from Song of the South. It was a movie. I don't ever saw that. If it has, if it. By the way, Song of the South. That sounds like a musical. I hate musicals, so I don't watch them. When I watched Meet Me in St. Louis for the first time, I literally fast forwarded through all of the musical parts because I don't care. I hate it. No one all of a sudden just sings like that. Where everybody knows the parts and they all know. I don't believe it. It's it's too much for me. The only one I will never ever fast forward through is West Side Story because it's. The, I listened to Sound of Music too, but I, only because I was forced to in seventh grade. Um, so I didn't watch this because if it it sounds like a musical and I'm opposed to those. So it it's based on this River Run thingy, and because it was based on that, that means the whole thing is racist. Is that do I understand this correctly? So because they're like, oh, this thing in this musical, is it a musical? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. No, I didn't. I didn't watch this. I did not watch this movie or whatever the hell it is before talking about it because it looks like a musical. And I hate them with the burning passion of a thousand sons because all the the songs are so there's not a cool song in a musical. Maybe like save for one. The West Side Story one that because it was it was cool and they it was a I like the beat of it that was it anyway long story short so this apparently blah 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 was all that I don't care so I don't care what it I don't care what it was about they had a river th- run from the movie and they decided to make it the ride and it was and people were upset over it yes. who gets upset over this. So they they said they're going to call. I don't care what they call it. I mean, somebody's going to get mad at this one. They're they're going to call it. Now it's going to be renamed Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Okay, well, people at some point in the future, I guarantee you, mark me, they're going to get mad because it's like it's about animal abuse or something. 
I don't know. They're going to get mad. Somebody's going to get mad. Because everybody get is that, is that what we do now? We just go ahead. Well, we can't have anyone getting mad. Let's just have it a boring, boring old log ride. Hi, guys. Come to the log ride. Get splashed thing. Let's just be very basic with all our names. I don't care. I just think it's ridiculous that people are that obsessed with a ride. You're in a fake log. And it's not even a real river. This is so stupid. You know why aliens don't visit us? Because they watch us getting mad over theme park rides. And they're like, why would we want to talk to these people? Whatever they have that is reducing their brains to cheese could be catching. So we're going to lock our doors and zip on past Earth. That's, what's, that's why we've never seen aliens. That's why. I guarantee it. What, why, is your vo- why is your jaw to the floor? Why? Because I was continuing. <laughs> I'm going to strangle myself with this cord. <laughs> to read the article. And okay, so okay, apparently, hit me. quote, hit me. It gives the impression of depicting slavery as a utopia where black slaves and white plantation owners lived in harmony, which meant the black slaves happily accepted their servitude to white people. So, this is why Splash Mountain is racist. <laughs> I, um, I hope the whole ride goes away. Just take away theme parks. Actually, that's what they're doing. In no, Soho. take away all the theme parks. No theme parks for anyone. Oh, that's a little harsh. No, 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 no. Take it all away. You guys want, let's live in a very boring world and we're just going to no, call things. I don't want that. Very basic names. I don't want a boring world. Don't even use the word donut anymore. Just say round puff, round puff dough. It's dough that's rounded and puffed. Just, just to, just because you never know, Right. Let's just be very basic, very 1984-ish about everything. I literally did not even know. I don't even care that they call it Bayou Adventure. There better be a damn alligator playing a trumpet. That's all I know. If there's not an alligator playing a trumpet in this, then you all can go to Hades because that is not in keeping, and it's animal abuse, so then I'll get mad about it if, if it is there. I just, this is so stupid. I hate everything. Oh, that's not the only wokery I have for you. I, do people all honestly know that? Do you wait? Can just real quick before I go get going? Do you honestly think that people are like, I hear I'm at Disney. I'm going to have so much fun. Oh my gosh, this ride. <gasps> Did you know this ride was based on the Briar Rabbit tale of blah, 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 blah. Did you know this? I am so, I'm so hurt. No one does this. No one. What? Why are you? It's true. I am just, I hate everything. This is why I don't like to leave my house. You basically have to lure me out like E.T. with Reese's Pieces because I hate everyone. I don't want to, not you guys, but everyone who's not you. I don't like them. And I don't like theme parks either because you know they don't clean these seats and they're nasty. And I just don't, I don't, I don't like theme parks. Sidebar, 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 double sidebar. For the same reason that I hate a lot of sports except for baseball. Do you know why? Because I feel like it's an opiate. I feel like it is a way we all like construct this whole thing where we pretend to cheer for a certain team and we have anything invested in it other than maybe geography or, or appreciation of the sport. I'm very, my husband doesn't understand me. He just shakes his head and rolls his eyes whenever I say this. I don't get it. I hate all theme parks and all this now. Anyway, so let's move on and see how other way, other ways people are ruining all of our lives. Oh, but this one is funny, though. Vladimir Putin fell down the stairs and crapped his pants. Oh. Yep, that happened. Oh. Putting the Putin Putin, everybody. So apparently he fell down the stairs at his home and uh, filled his britches. He fell five steps, landed on his tailbone, and it caused him to involuntarily defecate. 
pretend that that's not funny for the sake of manners. This is, I don't care. He's a commie. <sighs> is that not the most appropriate avatar for communism that you've ever heard? Falls, falls downstairs and fills pants. Yeah, involuntarily defecates. That's, that's communism. Communism is just involuntary defecation, is it not? Yeah. So it was at his official Moscow house. Wait, am I, are you, are someone out there is trying to shame me. I can feel it. Really? You're trying to make me feel bad for laughing hysterically at this hysterically funny thing? Really? Because I'm supposed to feel bad? He's a communist. I don't, I will laugh at commies falling down the stairs and involuntar, involuntarily defecating. It's hysterical. Part of me is 15 years old. I just, it is what it is. So according to the report, uh, it happened, uh, it was a telegram channel that said this uh, apparently whoever gave this has links to his security team so somebody somebody's exactly. somebody's snitching very interesting they said he's got all kinds of health issues clearly as you can see it he's got all kinds of health issues and uh the incident they say it's his failing health he's seriously ill uh obviously the ongoing failure in ukraine is not helping with any of this and so they apparently he's got um uh they've never denied so this is what's interesting in 2014 uh putin's spokesperson was ridiculing u.s media reports that said he was suffering from cancer apparently he has i guess what uh he's got stomach and bowel cancer at least that's what this telegram channel is saying and the spokesperson just said that the journalists should quote shut their trap that was a direct quote but didn't actually deny it it's a kind of interesting. Didn't deny it. Just said that the reporter who was asking the question should shut their trap. Karma is mysterious. Yes, that is, uh, that is very true. I'm not going to feel bad. Don't, if someone sends me an email about this, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to print it out. I'm going to go to the range. I'm going to affix it to where the targets are usually affixed. I'm going to take it about 15 to 20 yards out, and I'm going to fill it with holes. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to post it on Instagram. So don't. Because it's funny and I laugh at commies. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5. Brought to you by Caltech. This is a very good boy. A Georgia sheepdog fought off and killed eight coyotes after a pack attacked his sheep. The organ- an organization raised more than $15,000 to pay the sweet sheepdog's bill. Uh, this, uh, his name's Casper the Sheepdog. He works on a Georgia farm. He fought off a half dozen coyotes in a fight that lasted uh, over half an hour, according to WAGA-TV. Casper disappeared for two days after the brutal fight. They said that they knew he was hurt because they found parts of his tail and other things, so they said they were really worried. He returned to the farm with visible injuries. Uh, and they immediately, I mean, they said he, he was pretty bad. The Lifeline Animal Project, uh, they stepped in to raise money for Casper's hospital bills. And uh, they're going to use the remaining funds because it covered it, exceeded the goal to save other animals' lives. So that was really cool that that, and that's a good boy right there. That sheep dog, my gosh. They also need to get a donkey. Get some donkeys out there. And they kick them. They kick coyotes. Uh, Bob McGrath, remember Bob from Sesame Street? He passed away. Bob McGrath passed away at age 90. 90 years old. Remember Bob? 90? Yeah. 90 years old. Didn't seem that way. Yeah. Uh, in Cutter, they're having a camel pageant. What? Yeah. Uh, so, 
I don't know, but the way that they write about them, it's very interesting. They say that she batted her eyelashes and flashed a toothy smile for the cameras. It's a camel. Uh, so it's like the Westminster Dog Show, but for camels in Cutter. It's the Cutter Camel Mazayan Club, and they bring cultural awareness to World Cup visitors. It's Ministry of Youth, Sports and Youth. And this one camel apparently got the first place. I don't know what makes a good-looking camel. What makes a good... I don't know what to look for, but... Apparently, that camel was the prettiest, and this, there, there was a first-place winner. Uh, let's see. Oh, that one, uh, what's-his-face? The little uh, Nick Fuentes guy apparently got into a food fight. It's fitting of, like, a 15-year-old and a 20-something-year-old's body. And uh, an Ohio couple, a couple saw packages discarded on the side of the road from FedEx, so they delivered all the packages themselves in Cleveland Cliffs. That's pretty cool. Stay with us. More to come. Welcome back to the program, bottom of our third hour. And if you are listening across the country, don't forget you can check out the simulcast as well, available on YouTube, Facebook, and also uh, simulcast on the first. So the election Tuesday brought a lot of things, I think, into sharp perspective. And everyone talks about the soul of the Democrat Party, but I think that the Republican Party is really trying to figure out its identity. And um, I read with great enjoyment a piece that we were talking about just earlier this week, uh, or actually, yeah, just the other day, National Conservatism is Dead. And it was a very sassy rant from David Harsani, who is the senior editor over at The Federalist. And just so you can get a sense of the tone, the first sentence states, since a civil war is about to break out and destroy the modern Republican Party, fingers crossed, let me tell you what grinds my gears. And it went from there. And I love the tone. I think I agree with him on so many issues. He joins us now via Skype. David Harsani, thank you so much. Happy early Thanksgiving. <laughs> thank you. I've never been called sassy before. so Yeah, you. I was trying to think of, I'm like, you're not really a curmudgeon because you take too much joy in, in some of this. But I thought that this was a really interesting piece over an issue that I think is widely, I don't want to say discouraged, maybe avoided. Uh, kind of in within the right, this issue of national conservatism or this national conservatism issue and this push to really kind of be in many respects somewhat indistinguishable from the left and how government in, is used and things are, are applied. Um, give us a little thought on this because you ignited a very big uh, discussion on social media over zombie Reaganism. Which, you know, I, I loved the shining city on the hill. I agree with you. I mean, it actually did mean something. And there were some things that were accomplished under that. Yeah, I mean, it's a big topic. I think that in general, um, what I'm talking about is the economic policy, first of all, where you're trying to compete in growing government and welfare programs and giving people checks and helping them ways that uh, don't really help them in the long term, but just essentially give them some sort of entitlement. You're never going to beat the Dems or liberals in general on that front. They're always going to offer more. They're always going to be willing to spend more money. So it, it's it's a fool's game, but it's also the wrong policy. It's not going to help people as we've seen. Now, a lot of these NatCon folks are you know, very pro-family. I'm pro-family. And they think that this will help families of the working class and perhaps middle class. But we know that welfare and welfare checks and welfare programs have done more to destroy communities and destroy families than perhaps any government program that we've ever had. Right. So I don't understand where they're coming from in that way. Yeah. And then just lastly, I think they combine the idea that we need to be or that the right needs to have a stiffer spine and be more like Trump in that sense with these programs that are not really, uh, you know, don't really have a wide appeal. I agree 
that Trump stiffened the spine of the Republican Party in many ways, in good ways. But I don't think that the populist econ stuff where you're chasing around a, a very narrow group of people is, is the right way to go. Exactly. And the whole family leave proposal, the paid family leave, which I've seen a lot proposed on the right, that actually shocks me. I have to tell you, this was probably about a year ago. I did uh, I taped a, a podcast interview and you know, I, gen- I have a good opinion of the individual. I don't want to you know start a flame war or name them or try to shame them or anything. But it was it's a young NatCon and they had a you know fairly influential They're I mean, you know, them, they're fairly influential. Uh, and the question that came up was whether or not we should pay people to have kids in the United States so that we could avoid having to rely upon, uh, I guess, the labor of people coming into the country. And I was just sort of shocked at that because I thought we already provided that in the form of welfare. And it hasn't been incredibly successful. And that was sort of my response. And I had said on air, I kind of felt like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he was yelling at Anakin as he was smoldering there on Mustafar. And he was like, it should, it was supposed to be you. And I was looking at someone who was very influential as a young Republican. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? It's supposed to be you. Why are you going this Rick Santorum, you know, big government route? Why did this become a popular thing? How did this get to take root in the Republican part of the conservative sphere even? It's a good question. I, I think that what happened was people feel like they're always losing. And in a democratic system, you often feel like you're losing because you're never really fully winning, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, and they just said, listen, we have to just act like them. We have to do what they're doing. That's the only way to win. That's the only way to fight back. Neutral principles don't really matter when the other side, you know, is is doesn't care about that. sounds them. like and, surrender. Yeah, to me it does. I mean, you know, I have the principles I have, and I became a sort of Reagan, you know, you know, a small L libertarianish conservative because I believe in the principles un- underlying them. I don't just change. I can't just. I don't want to sound like I'm some uh, monk or something, but I can't just change them up because you lose. You know, we've lost a couple of elections or right. whatever. That doesn't make any sense. I believe in those ideas, not just because I think they can win office, but because I think they're good for the country. Right. But I also think they can win office. I think like you just mentioned, you know, Reagan's vision, and I don't want to bring Reagan up specifically. I'm talking about the ideas that, that, that brought that fusionist movement together were good ones. They're appealing ones to people. I think middle-class people want to be left alone for the most part. I think they want good schools. I think they want choices. And, uh, you know, yeah. so, yeah, that's why I support those ideas. I think you raise a good point, too, because whenever... And I can't remember who initially said this, and I've co- totally co-opted it and have a you know bridged it and abused it six ways to Sunday on air. Something to the effect of if you know you get if if a voter has to choose between a fake Democrat or a real one, they're going to pick the real one. And it it does seem like surrender if you're trying to. Well, the only way we can beat them is if we become them. Well, then you've just lost. You've just thrown in the towel that that you haven't beaten them at all. They've beaten you if you think that you have to go down to that. It's like using the government. Certain I think Nacons think that using the government is more. It's okay because their ideas somehow are for a more virtuous purpose. But that's like the Lord of the Rings one ring argument. I mean, it's still gonna you know you're it's still gonna corrupt you. No, you, you, you hit it on the head. Their intellectual movement says basically that you, if you use government for virtuous reasons, it's okay to use it and compel people to do things. First of all, you mentioned like paying people to have kids. Anyone who has kids knows you don't have kids because someone's going to send you a $1,000 check. 
kids are going to make you poor. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're going to do for middle class people, sending your kid to college, things like that. Those things need to be reformed so that people can afford to have kids and not be on welfare and not have to rely on the state. And also the state crowds out churches, the state crowds out charity and community. Uh, this is why we should be pushing federalism. Florida is a great example of that. Um, so, you know, I, I you had that experience. I had this similar experience where I was at CPAC, I think 2019 or something like that. And some first uh, first things magazine editor was speaking and he said something like, we just have too much freedom in this country or too many choices. And I'm like, that's crazy. And then everyone got up and cheered who were there, a lot of young people. And I was like, this is weird. Sometimes I think maybe because I'm a Gen X or, you know, like, I don't understand that generation, but but or they're looking for something new that they think is new, maybe. Yeah. And that's and I, it's really and you just want to go back and like play him some of the quote unquote compassionate conservatism speeches. They're like, really, right. this is new. You think this let's play this from, you know, George Bush in 2000 or, you know, Rick Santorum. Right. right. Yeah. Back. Go back to we can't. Exactly. Exactly. Talking to David Harsani with the Federalist. My last question for you. So it, looking ahead at 2024, which I really don't want to do before you know, the holidays particularly, but here we are. Uh, that We didn't get a choice in that. That all kicked off. How is this going to define 2024? Because you brought up Florida and, you know, not to throw Rick DeSantis or Rick DeSantis, what am I doing? Ron DeSantis out there before it's too early. I mean, he did, that is a very good example of, you know, how Florida, how it was, you know, he handled everything from lockdown to pandemic. Even with the situation with Disney, I think that there was a lot of debate um, over whether or not, you know, the state should be giving, you know, breaks and accommodations, special ones that regular people don't get to corporations, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, though, is 2024 going to kind of be like a head to head competition, you think, or or a matchup between that sort of NatCon versus the, you know, the small, the lowercase l conservatism? I think actually Ron DeSantis can bring those two together more than any candidate I can think of because he ha he does have sort of the disposition of a NatCon kind of person. But in my opinion, he was very, very small government in many ways. The ways he did intrude on government gave people more freedom to do the things that they wanted. I have no, no problem with that, right? I think that when you talk about cronyism, for instance, they yeah, it seems to me like NatCons want to get involved and then sort of they want to be the technocrats, right? But yeah. I think the best thing is to separate those two things and then then corporations won't have power over you. And I think that's what uh, Ron DeSantis, I almost said Rick, almost said Rick DeSantis too. I know, We're, what is happening with us? It's a Friday, I don't know. It's it's crazy. But we anyway, don't know. so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I find, I, to me, he seems like a real traditional conservative who maybe is more aggressive in, in certain ways that we, we need them to be aggressive. So I don't know what's going to happen, but if he wants uh, a fight there, I, I think he, he can do well. You never know how this translates nationally, but I think he's he's a pretty uh, a, a figure that a lot of conservatives would like. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Well, this is a great piece. David Harsani with The Federalist. And of course, it's national conservatism is a dead is, is a dead end, which I believe um, entirely. It's it's it. Hopefully it'll go away. We'll see. I don't know. It's just a creepy time. I feel like I'm living in a children of the corn era. I don't even know. It's just weird. David Harsani, always good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much. You too. Thank you. Of course. We have more to come, folks, as we wrap up this third hour this Friday. And that is a good, It's a, and it's, and the, the, the funny thing is, too, it's not like a, we're, we're criticizing because everybody's been young and everybody's been young in politics. And there are no, believe me, I have, one of my kids is very interested in politics and I am making him go through the paces to humble this child. <laughs> I'm like, you got to go through the paces, man. But and I get 
the zeal. Uh, there's a zeal that is brought with, and I, cause I've been there when you are young, you're a, you know, whether you're a teenager, whether in your early twenties for sure. And I think that that's something that time sharpens experience sharpens. It gives you a clearer and more focused perspective. And it's, it is though, we have this thing and it's the right and the left. I think everybody is so desperate looking for answers and so busy looking to one up each other. They're just like, Oh my gosh, is this going to be the new savior for the, for the party? Is this the new savior? Is this the new savior? And then we find ourselves in this weird ever, ever, you know, changing position of constantly surrendering bits of our, our, our uh, position just for a little bit of, of, relevancy or i don't know uh, to, to for hollywood for something i and it just seems i don't know clout it just seems weird to me and i i it just like i was you know telling david when i hear people tell me that they think that government can be used for good if it's just in the right hands i'm like you are literally you are boromir oh my gosh you're boromir from lord of the rings you're about to take the ring from frodo stop it stop it right now this is not going to end well for you it's just uh, what I think. We have a lot more uh, to hit still before we wrap up this program. And as we get moving, we have more to come. Golly, this hour's going by too fast. Oh, I'm full of just more. So just, you know, you don't want to miss a single bit of the program today. I had a big debate yesterday on the social media. American families are going to pay 20% more for Thanksgiving this year because of the cost of living. I was looking at some of the details of it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's pretty crazy. How much, how, I mean, just golly, how much people, they said it's from the stuff from the Farm Bureau. In 2020, the average cost for 10, 4690, 2020, 53, 31 in 2021, $64.05 in 2022. That's the turkey. It's like the, you know, usually I think, what is it? What is the average that, uh, I wonder what's the average of uh, poundage that people get for turkey? Probably around 225 250 a pound now. Jeez. Yeah, so that was the average a Thanksgiving feast for 10. So that's less than $6.50 per person if it's 64.05. So that's a 20% increase from last year's average of $53.31. The 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 turkeys obviously is 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 hit cranberries. Oh my gosh. Now, okay, quick thing. The ocean spray, canned cranberry. Some of you all are very set in y'all's ways. Now, I had said, I think this is, we don't debate politics at Thanksgiving in my family. We yell at each other over cranberry sauce. Because some people like that tart stuff that I get. I can make the homemade stuff. I just don't like it because I hate it with the burning passion of a thousand suns. Some people like it. They, it's a fruit potpourri. Just admit it. That's what it is. You put orange peel in there and all a bunch of other weird witches brew stuff and then you and it's weird and some of you put nuts in there i don't i don't know i i that's if you love it i'm not passing judgment my husband also loves it but for the people who like to taste the other stuff on their plate because that stuff is so tart it makes my oh man it like cinches your mouth up like a like a like a drawn bag oh my gosh i like the stuff from the can and here's, I got two reasons why. It's easy, slice, 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 boom, put it on the table. Right. Also, the next day turkey sandwich. It's literally a slice of additional moisture and taste 
on the turkey sandwich. <sighs> I don't know what it is. It's so, why are you looking at me like that? You know I'm right, though. Oh, you get you some turkey. You put that cranberry slice on there. I like to slice it a little thinner. And leftover, like the oh next day, gosh. making sandwiches. That's. And when you mush it in the mashed potatoes, oh my gosh. I don't know about you. I like to mash all of my food together, except for the turkey. The stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the cranberry, I will push it all together. I don't care if my food touches. Although I do leave my reservoir of uh, potato, my potato mountain with the gravy inside. Oh, yeah. Because you gotta have you gotta have that for a turkey. You just there's there's a structure to the plate, people. So there you have it. Anyway, all right, today's stupidity. I almost I'm looking forward out. to the Hawaiian rolls. I'm looking yeah. forward to. All right, this is Biden. I don't know. Maybe you can tell what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I don't. This week we saw the growth in prices and uh, business pay for goods and services to come down as well. What gas prices are down. When- but no, it's going this to take, is it's going to take time to get inflation back to normal levels it's, as we keep our job market strong so we can see setbacks yeah. along the way. I don't so doubt that, but so setbacks? far we're in good shape. But we're laser-focused on that. Laser-focused. Oh, I don't man. believe With that With actual lasers.